I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You're on Team Human, our last best hope for peeps. I'm Douglas Rushkoff, here to stand with you against autonomous technologies, runaway markets, and weaponized media that threaten human cognition, solidarity, and survival. It's time to play together. This is Team Human. Our guest today, a great old friend of mine, memeticist and social change agent, Dr. Laszlo Karafia. Memes are your filter to reality, and they are an evolving filter because they attract new memes, so your filter is always changing, always evolving. Laszlo, a memetic engineer for Culture 2, is going to break down the weaponized media now paralyzing so much of our thought and tell us what we have to do collectively to build our immunity to thought viruses. It's time to intervene on behalf of people. This is Team Human. Last week, I went out on a limb and suggested that if Trump were to get truly cornered, he might do some really scary stuff. And this week, after America's bombed a Syrian airport in retaliation for them using chemical weapons on their own people... I'm getting a lot of email from people asking me, is that what you meant? Is this that great distraction that Trump is doing on the same moment where the Russia investigation is beginning to reveal true collusion between his people and the Russians to hack a Democratic campaign committee on the eve that we're extraditing a Russian hacker from Spain who apparently has information that will expose this scandal once and for all? Maybe. I don't know. And that's my point. I've read your emails. I've read the news stories. Yes, Syria, Russia, Trump, even Iran and North Korea are all involved in maneuvering around what has just happened. Sure, there's a collusion scenario. That would be that Russia and the United States planned the chemical weapons attack together as a way of creating a 
pretext for a disagreement between Russia and the United States as a way to make it seem implausible for Russia and Trump to have actually worked together to make him president. Crazy? Sure, that's a crazy scenario, but it was floated even by Lawrence O'Donnell, a journalist on MSNBC, although he was also floating it less as a way of of spinning a theory than showing us that it's really hard to know what's going on. When you have an administration that is so willing to lie about anything at the drop of a hat, that when they get up and say, this is what's happening and this is why we did it, they have no credibility. We can't No, it's blah, 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 blah. I mean, sure, if you got some pictures from CNN or Associated Press or somebody, okay, something happened over there, but it's really, really hard to know what. Why would Russia get involved in a collusion scenario like that? How would that benefit them? Well, maybe they've got some leverage they're trying to apply to Assad now to say, look, we could try to push you out. Who knows? You know, meanwhile, the New York Post and a dozen other semi-respectable news outlets came out with a bizarre fake news story about Russia, Syria, and Iran drawing a red line that if the United States were to cross it again by taking military action against Syria, that then they would do some terrible thing to us, that they would attack back. But that story was from nowhere. That story was from a fringe Arabic website with no sources, no official words. It's nothing that any ambassador of any of these countries has said. And meanwhile, perhaps more reputably, the Associated Press says that Russia knew about the attack before it happened. Not our attack on Syria, but Syria's attack on its own people. That Russia had a drone over the site where the chemical weapons were dropped and then dropped its own bombs on the hospital where the victims were taken, presumably to uh, cover up the evidence of a chemical weapons attack. But I guess if they were covering up the evidence of a chemical weapons attack, then they wouldn't really want America to know it all, in which case they weren't trying to create a pretext for America to be upset because America wasn't supposed to know anyway. So what's true? What's true is that this is war, people. This is war, and it's all criminal. This is the same old war that we've been having for a couple of thousand years, where monarchs send peasants off to their deaths using myths of divine providence, distraction, and fake news of cannibalism on the other side, or babies burning, or witchcraft, or Lord knows what, to get people to die for reasons that we probably never know. Some territorial dispute, some business problem, some family feud... Why use chemical weapons? And why are they so much worse than the other ones? Well, chemical weapons are really good for terrifying people. You know, if you're going to get bombed, you kind of hear it, you get blown up, and you're pretty much dead. Chemical weapons, 
you kind of don't know when they're around. You can't really sleep at night because, oh, were there chemical weapons coming? And the the effects are so long-lasting and devastating. You're blind or sick or, uh, you know, poisoned for the rest of your life. It, it's a scarier kind of weapon. You know, it's not scary to troops. You know, troops... <laughs> Soldiers, they've got gas masks. It it doesn't work in war anymore. It only really works against civilian populations. It's a form of terrorism, only the kind of terrorism really that governments use on their people more than uh, terrorists would use on a regime it doesn't like. So yeah, I got all your questions. And you know, I've actually started answering these emails all the same way. You know, I really don't know. Did Trump collude with Russia? I don't know. I don't think so. Was it time to coincide with China's visit? I don't know. You know is it just an opportunity to park nuclear gunships nearby North Korea? I don't know. And I don't think I can know. Yes, we are living under a presidency where the lies come so regularly, we can't even trust the very basics of what he and his representatives are saying. Yes, the painful deaths of all of these people could in fact be an exercise in distraction from prosecution. The FBI is going to be questioning a Russian hacker that was just extradited from Spain, and there could be the equivalent of scandal bombshells dropping from that, that this new war action would distract us from. But since most of what we're seeing in the news is either distraction or speculation, I genuinely believe it's our job as team human to resist the temptation to go down those rabbit holes. Now, that's what keeps us staring at our screens all night instead of engaging with one another, forging coherence and solidarity and addressing real local civic issues that we can address with our own two hands. I'm not telling you to ignore the news, but I am saying we can't use this news as an excuse to ignore one another. You're on Team Human, coming to you alive from the Basement Media Squad here at the Laboratory for Digital Humanism at Queens College. Playing for us today, cultural alchemist Dr. Laszlo Karafiev. So, Laz, I'm seeing so many articles now on weaponized memetics that people seem to finally understand what we've been talking about for 20 years. Exactly. Which is that there are memes out there, always out there, competing for our attention and to get us to spread them. Why do you think it's taken people so long to grok the meme meme? So I think that um, this is the time when, the, you know, the proverbial uh, stuff, you know, hits the fan, right? So suddenly, stuff that was uh, was not seen, suddenly seen, like something was not not visible, now it's visible, right? We talked about it for 20 years, that these are the invisible stuff out there in the air, you know, like all over the place. Don't you guys see it? And, and now it actually started to affect like global politics, right? You guys have a meme for a president now, right? So some people are like, oh, really? Yeah, that, I, I really can see something's changing now, right? So so I think that there, there is a tidal wave that has been growing for, uh, you know, maybe for, uh, for a few tens of thousands of years. 
Right. So for people that aren't too familiar with memes, I remember in the 90s after I'd written Media Virus and then a bunch of essays on memes, I was at Timothy Leary's house doing a uh, radio interview from his phone. And he's sitting there probably smoking a cigarette or something, listening to me talk. And he he had always been telling me not to use the word meme because no one knows what a meme is. And he heard me on the uh, uh, on the radio interview have to explain what a meme is, and he starts laughing at me and yeah. pointing at me to say. And we get off, and he says, "Any word that you have to explain what it means every time you use it exactly. is a useless word." Exactly, and and that's how I felt for the past fifteen years. Uh, I jumped on the meme wagon about nineteen ninety seven, and twenty years ago, exactly. Wow. And I realized that that when I started my company around memes in 2003, using the word meme didn't make it more accessible. It made it more, uh, you know, opaque and uh, and you know less understandable. But you know, for us, it was so important that we actually use the memes I view, right? Which is a, which is a very important concept that we that we should talk about. That for us, you know, the meme was the the water that we that we swam in, right? But but exactly up to up to basically, I think 2016, you really had to explain what a meme is. And for now, how are you, how are you explaining a meme? A meme is an idea that wants to be replicated. What? How do you talk about a with, meme? With the potential to spread. Yeah, the, an idea with the potential to spread. And uh, I really like the which I just read it recently in an in an article that the memes are the IED of culture. And for me, that really sort of summarized explosive device, improvised explosive device that uh, that people by hand and, you know, by by whatever you find, you know, in your uh, basement, you put together, put it out there. Uh, 99% of the time, nothing happens. And 1% of the time, it blows up the whole building. Right. right. And now a meme is not just a picture on Instagram with words on the bottom. It's yes. not just a picture of Donald Trump yawning and someone no. putting the word cat under it. No, it's basically thoughts and ideas in our minds. And I do a lot of work with the unconscious these past uh, two years. And basically I do meme research now in the unconscious. And I found that we have archetypes and the archetypes hold the memes in our heads, in the, in our minds, right? If you go and uh, and take people to trance and to and uh, and start a conversation around certain ideas, and you can access their their ego parts. Let's call them ego parts now. Basically, uh, Gestalt work does this, uh, you know, in um, in regular consciousness. It's so much more powerful if you go under into um, to the subconscious, and then you have these archetypes. The you know the archetype of a of a father or a mother or a grandmother or any other um, a friend or relative or even uh, you know very outwardly creatures, and they hold memes like like the like they somehow get memes in your mind, and those memes that they have work as magnets for other memes, right? So if you have the 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 archetype, let's say the the hero, or you have the archetype of the victim. The victim archetype just brings in all the memes that are that are great for the expression of the victim archetype, right? So uh, this is how the 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 mind works in the subconscious, and this is pretty much how like something similar works in the in the cultural territory where where memes are attract each other. They are they are they are sort of creating a filter bubble, and suddenly like you have a meme filter around you that you're watching. Your word with and and you just attract all the other memes that are that are you know that wants to be in uh, in your meme filter. So that's the 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 main the most important one of the most important ideas I think around meme is that that they are the they are your filter to reality, uh, and they are 
an evolving filter because they attract new memes. So your filter is always changing, always evolving. And then once we move into a digital space, an interactive space, I mean, which originally might have been fax machines, but now is Twitter and, and, and Facebook and beyond, memes take on a slightly different quality. I mean, not just in that, not just in that they're spreading, but, well, the internet itself, as, as many of us argued from the early days, the internet is kind of more fact-based it's more of a nonfiction medium than it is than like movies. You know, it's not people are not involved in these giant fictional experiences. They're based they're 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 having factoid based experiences. And I call them factoid because the facts don't have to be true. It's more like a gossip though, or tidbits truthiness. or things, truthiness. But it's not. It, it truthiness still almost comes from the the. It, it almost describes the perspective of the propagandist or the disinformant. And it's not that. It's that you know. I used to say this to marketers all the time. You know, no one on the internet cares about the Keebler elves. They care if there's a rat hair on the Keebler elf cookie. It's it, and because the rat. And I believe me, you, if you have a truthful meme that we've changed the color of the hats on the Keebler elves, it's not going to spread. If I make a fake meme picture of a rat hair on a Keebler cookie, I promise you I could get thousands of shares exactly. of that false thing. So when people are so confused now about fake news and real news and false news, it's like the fake or realness doesn't matter. It's the, the memes themselves don't really have a truthiness index determining their spread or not. Exactly. And, and just a uh, side note on fake news, I think the problem with fake news is that those people are complaining who used to have an institution of fake news, right? Just because you're CBS in the 1960s, it's still fake news, right? It's just your news. And, well, and it's you, not and as, fa as I mean, fake. I mean, like, that's your point of view, man. Like, like you know, people people in, yeah. in, in that other country that, you know, like your country invaded, it, they would probably think it's fake news, right? So it's like, it's, it's just a point of view, right? Yeah, but you can't, you can't, or maybe you are, but I don't think you can make an equivalency between the, the truth level of a BBC researched, something that's, that's based on, you know, journalistic discipline and second sources and deciding what's true and what's not versus a kid in his basement deciding, you know, that, that Pepe the Frog is the messiah. I love it that uh, that you still defend humans uh, against the memes, and uh, and I love it. You're on team human, right? <laughs> awesome. I'm on team meme, but uh, yeah, but <laughs> you're on team human. No, but but there's two different things at play here. Yeah. Something's uh, something's uh, virulence as a mimetic construct. Its spread may ha have nothing to do with its level of truth, but there is still an objective reality that we can attempt to communicate or attempt to obfuscate. Exactly. So when when you know Donald Trump says I know that Obama was tapping my phones I mean I get there's a, there's a level of truth to it in that if Obama was tapping if Obama's agency which even though he doesn't run it say the NSA was tapping a phone of a Russian and Trump happened to be speaking to that Russian, then yeah, your phone call was tapped. Exactly. It wasn't that the president was tapping your phone, but I get how you, exactly. in your constellation of the universe, how why you perceive it. And and that those way. those little tappings can lead to wonderful things. For instance, uh, the whole the whole Brazilian uh, scandal that brought down the government and uh, nearly the whole country when uh, the big oil company turned out to be you know handing out like millions of dollars. That actually started with with this type of a tapping. That 
there was one guy on the phone who was bragging about something and the other guy was tapped. And then, and then check this out. The, the FBI guy, the local FBI guy who was listening to this, he said, I know this voice because he was an air traffic controller before, and, and, and he was a pilot. So the guy worked at the air traffic control, remember the voice, got the voice going, and the whole thing started from that single tapped call. I know, and now when you've got, you know, your Samsung televisions listening into you and your neighbors and everybody else, I mean, my God, what's going to get heard? Once they get better at uh, 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 computerized scanning of yeah. all the files for word choice and... Uh, yeah. And of course, Facebook is scanning the words that you put in and then delete before you before you right. actually post something. Right? Fun fact. So now you know we know that that Trump's side, or or Trump's followers, if not Trump himself, was much more willing to engage with memetics yes. than the Clinton side, which was still stuck in traditional opposition research and traditional narrative and exactly. character. Why do you think that they were so much more uh, ready and willing to play with this almost occult-like yeah. uh, memetic sensibility? I think they were the IED people, right? So they basically, they, they just just grabbed on to anything that... I mean, uh, because they seem... were more like the, the independents exactly. without the money, without the... Yeah, without any resources, you know, give, give us the 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 least costing the you know resources, right? And then, and then the whole idea of of memetic evolution was at core of the whole Trump campaign, right? So they understood what we've been preaching for the last twenty years that you're not able to be a meme master. Only memes can spread that are at that moment are able to spread because they can actually get into the stream on the top of the wave. So what you actually need to do is you have to figure out the general direction right, of, of the evolution that you want the evolution to take. And then in that general direction, start to produce multiple thousands of memes, right? And then when you see which ones are actually evolving, then put some evolutionary energy, in this case money, you know, behind it. So the whole idea is, is uh, they basically, I think, got to the point when they realized that it's really not about them. And that's the whole structure of the memes that, uh, that people have to understand, that it's really not about the humans, it's about the memes, right? Even if it's in our own mind. So that's why people are confused about it. Like, okay, how do I have this creature in my own mind that has its own agenda? And it has. The, and the agenda is to spread and to take over more minds. Right. That's so, why when I look at Donald Trump, I say, look, Donald Trump was not elected president. I mean, the person, it doesn't matter. Donald Trump jumped into, when we both called it this, jumped into the standing wave of mimetic culture exactly. and rode that exactly. to the presidency. He reflected back on people what was going on. And took on whatever it was was was. Thrown thrown at him, right. right? The one thing, the one place where skill does come in, it seems, is in the iterative process you're describing. So Trump might throw out five memes a day. Oh, this one lied about that. Oh, I just saw Arabs uh, cheering 9-11. Oh, the Hillary Clinton just fell off her thing and has, you know, scabies or something. You know, oh my God. And then you see, oh, this one caught on. Okay, okay so now that one's going in my speech. Exactly. You know, and it's the same as a co comedian. What got the laughs? What got the chance? Lock her up. Lock her up. That meme is working. They're chanting it. It's a meme. I'm going to bring it. That's it. That goes in every show now. Exactly. So, so just have the loop going. Have the loop right. going. Have now, the feedback loop now, going. But the thing is, d that works for someone who doesn't care what 
they're going to run on. And also other, it works with someone who's coming from the outside to the castle, right? right? So the question is, how does it work from inside the castle? Right. You know, once we won, and once we actually have to care about something, once we have to stand by something, that we cannot just, you know, just go and take a step away from the next day because, right. oh, it wasn't me, then what happens? Right, so then the problem for me, and this goes back to, again to 1994, the first media virus I wrote about was the Rodney King tape. And how the Rodney King tape unleashed this massive surge of anger and culture because all these black people were being beaten by cops in Los Angeles and it led to riots all over America. That one videotape of a black guy getting beaten by white cops. Now, that's not it's not a controlled release. That's a hidden agenda in popular culture that's going to come out. So once we start playing with memes, things seem to be entirely less intentional and predictable. And chaotic. And chaotic. Right. So if we trust, as as I try to, as we, if we trust culture and let culture express itself, then after a potentially turbulent period, then we should end up with more self-regulated mimetic activity and progressive thought and all that. But right now it looks like, no, if you're going to let mimetic sort of natural mimetic chaos uh, uh, emerge and lead the conversation of our culture, then we're stuck in angry white guys on computers. It doesn't seem to be the culture that I was imagining. The memes that I thought would naturally emerge in a viral culture would have been permaculture, smart drugs, uh, local currency. <laughs> but exactly. those are not the memes that are that are coming through. Exactly, because because you're coming from uh, from you know from a higher ground, right? And uh, circling back to the unconscious and to these archetypes and to these uh, trauma as the meme magnets uh, for for the personal mind, for the personal unconscious. Whatever of your stock there are the ones that are resonating with their own initial in, initial wounds, with their own uh, wounded heroes and other wounded archetypes. Right. right. So if you're a you're a white guy and your dad was a drunk and got yelled at by the mother, and now you've watched Oprah and found out that you're some enemy, and just for playing a video game where you shoot people, you're a bad person, and this one's going to get a job because they're a woman or they're black and they're not white. Hey, wait a minute, I'm wounded, and that that anger. Exactly. Come out. That's just just sucking in all these memes. Exactly. That's the main lesson from the Trump campaign is that let the memes decide, right? And once the memes decided, because the meme is a reflection of the human mind, of the of our collective unconscious, right? So it's you can see it as uh, as the level of consciousness, the unconscious, and the culture. And this is how they they go back and forth, like right? from the unconscious to the culture, from the culture to the unconscious. And of course, you know, we would like to see something, uh, you know, like a going towards the higher ground, that actually would mean that everybody has to take responsibility for the, for their own memes and for what's spreading, right? So the only way to get out of this and to go towards the, the higher ground, the permaculture and the, and the self-regulating economies and, the, you know, the good communities is when I take responsibility for my memes, right? When I said, okay, why do I have, why do I have these memes? Why do I want more of these memes? And why do I want to spread these memes, right? So what's, what's in me? that wants to do this like basically do a self-analysis of memes right in a way of you know getting friendly with my own subconscious getting friendly with what's going on in my head and then right. I can be somebody who will not spread these things right my, my, my favorite example is that uh, 80% of the misogynist memes are spread by women out of outrage Mm. Right. So if, if, if everybody would 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 start to uh, it would stop uh, spreading misogynist memes, 
like 80% of the memes would disappear, right? Because they don't get that when they when they spread it on, it spreads. Well, right. It was like, it sort of reminds me of the Hillary Clinton campaign when they come out with, oh, these deplorables. You know, they, they come up with, the, they do their opposition research and find out the word deplorable, that we all think that they're deplorable. And they don't realize that in the mimetic landscape, the so-called deplorables are going to grab that as a badge. The same way that Hillary, you know, nasty woman. You know, exactly. They, they should learn from their own constituency, right? Right. That this is how it works, and it works. Okay, we are the nasty women. Yeah, everybody's a nasty woman now, of course. Yeah, let's do it. Let's just band together as nasty women, right? Nasty women. This is something that uh, that really the the idea that uh, that you're not in control of this cultural phenomenon is it's a it's a very it sounds easy to say but it's very very easy for those people who actually earn their paychecks by supposedly controlling message right staying on brand that that's the whole idea it doesn't work it's it's an illusion just as an illusion of controlling reality is an illusion it's it's uh it's if once you were able to surrender yourself to the to the idea of the memes then you would be able to actually see the world and see all this chaos and see start to see some some type of order in the chaos but that order will always be a very sort of uh, loose and soft-handed approach, right? This is what we are seeing here is that, like, to grab on, let go. Grab on, let go. This works, doesn't work. This other works, maybe. Like, this, oh, this one works. Okay, let's go with that. Oh, now it's, like, uh, you know, spread into, like, forked into three other memes. Okay, which one of those work? So it's a a time-consuming. It is, but uh, it's also a very human process that you're suggesting people do. The first thing that's human about it is... We almost dispense with the data. In other words, I like, I want to promote local currencies, say, or or permaculture, one of these great ideas. It doesn't matter. All the facts about it now, all the things that I think have brought me to it don't matter. I have to accept now that this is not on a felt level. This was not a scientific decision. This was a mimetic impulse. So I have to go, okay, as a much softer, squishier, uh, uh, subconscious place, why do I really want a permaculture? Why do I really want it? Exactly. In other words, on, from a felt level, not what for would, the what care would it of the get future you? generations. Or, what does it get? Oh, it gets me to slow down. It gets me to stop worrying about a certain thing. I, I can think... I'm not hurting the planet anymore, which always exactly. bothers me the way I dig into the ground and I, I, pavement bothers me. All this stuff. Then yeah. I start to get into a deeper felt place. So that, for one, is a hard, difficult human exactly. thing to do. Second is in the way you're talking about memes is once you launch a meme, it's not yours anymore. Exactly. You know, I came up with the media virus meme, media virus virus. Nobody knows that, you know, and and. It's because it worked. People know the ones I, they, they credit me with the ones that no one cares about, but no one's going to credit me with the ideas that actually exactly, got out there. Exactly, because they just grabbed onto it and it right. was theirs right away, right? That's right. how the meme Social works. Social media was another exactly. one. I mean, where do I, where do I get my penny for every time someone uses that word? <laughs> exactly. It'd be great. But you got to let go of it too. So those two things, one, to admit it's all soft and squishy and all of our policy papers and all of our research aren't the real reason we made our decision, exactly. right? We did it on an emotional one. And then second, to be able to launch things and not have control. Exactly. This feels like really hard stuff in particular for the left to do. And easy stuff for the right because they're all libertarian and Hayek and Cadillac-y and, you know, everything's natural and it's all going to happen. The left is like, oh, no, we have to control ourselves. Exactly. We've got to make sure and exactly. what's being paid for and whose credit. 
And and uh, we're going to lose as long as we think that way. Exactly. And from the other side, it's so so important that once a meme is out, you cannot stop a meme, right? Try to put efforts into stopping a meme only gives it energy. So you really have to use an Aikido approach, right? When you just let the meme roll and you would like use the meme energy to to go back with the same thing or a different thing or a modified thing, right? It's not it's not how do we stop a meme? Wrong thinking, right? You never can stop a meme, right? It's out there. It's out there. Like we, it'll run its course right uh but uh, but you actually have to get into the mindset of uh, of the you know of the the, the kung fu master or the jujitsu master that would say like okay how do i use the energy what's coming against me to actually use it to create with the move with a memetic move how to create my own sort of response to it right so so never never to you know hit reply it's always respond which is like you know take your time figure it out use the energy before we go, and let me be blatant about this. I mean, I would love for you to be serving progressive America right now. Yes, when sir. they're putting on pink hats is about as far as that side has gotten in its understanding of memetics. It's time. You know, the right, the, the radical right, if that's even what they are, they've got Pepe the Frog. They've got an ancient Egyptian friggin' meme that they don't even understand and don't have to. It works. It's Exactly. Deep in they there. don't have to. That's the key point there, right. right? It's just they don't have to. It's just it works, right? That's what the left has to understand. The progressive has to understand there is no control. Letting go of the control, just let the memes take its course, make sure that the general direction is uh, is okay, and then, then just, you know, roll with the punches, roll with the waves, be in that always changing um, uh, the wave, uh, the standing wave. And if I could convince the Democratic Party or, or Bernie Sanders revolution people to, to bring you in, say, as a memetics special, what, could you, what would you do? How would you start with them? Basically, what we can do is we can do uh, uh, snapshots of certain parts of culture that we can actually create a, a meme map that shows how the, the currents are working now, how the waves are coming in and, co and going. And then from those snapshots, you can actually build up a strategy that actually shows these directions, right? Answers the question of what the memes want. Right, so we can actually take the memes eye view, and and what memes do the memes want? Right, it's not about like what you know what we want or what will hurt the other person. How you can actually be part of the current, right? And this is something that you can do often, and then basically be part of the of the of the cultural evolution, right? Be somebody that is that can take a chance of spreading and and you know taking a, a bigger and bigger uh, part or ratio of the memes that are spreading, right? That's the kind of the idea that that you're the ones who's like always trending, right? Because you're if you're in the trend, you're in the wave, then that's that's where you have to be, right? It's really like a like a surfer, that type of a very uh, fluid balance that uh, that you're 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 surfing the meme wave and you're constantly reacting and you're constantly leading and you're reacting and you're leading, like like basically using uh, everything that is in you as knowledge, but also you know making sure that you let everything go right it's like very interestingly like the the knowing everything and the and the really releasing into the not knowing like but can like, the can the surfer who wants to go in a particular direction ever beat the surfer who's willing to just go wherever the waves are taking him 
So, so the question that that uh, that I want to uh, uh, answer is more like uh, like can you can you direct the memetic evolution? Right. And the only way to do that, if you have the meme, memes eye view, and the only way that you can if you're in the if you're in the flow right so the answer is no if you're standing you know on the bank of the river right you have to jump in like you have to be part of it in order to make sure that you can actually start to swim right you'll never be able to do anything from the bank of the river saying oh those are bad memes i'm not going in there like oh like oh just getting dirty you know i'm not doing that right that's not the way right you have to probably swim up to the source and you know and start something from over there you got to jump in the river. Exactly. And join Team Human. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Thank you, Lars. Thanks. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Team Human. Playing for us today was cultural alchemist Dr. Laszlo Karafiev. You can find out more about him and his memetics techniques at Culture2Inc. Or go to teamhuman.fm where you'll have links to his work. It's been a pleasure engaging with you today. I know these are scary times, but the more we stick together, the more coherent we can be, the more we look into each other's eyes and forge ahead, the stronger we will be. Team Human is a project of the Laboratory for Digital Humanism at Queens College, CUNY. We're supported by our listeners who can go to teamhuman.fm and find the virtual coin slot to support us either with a one-time contribution or even a regular gift. We're also out there looking for funds. If you've got any good ideas of organizations who might want to support us or radio stations that might want to play us, we are all ears. Come to teamhuman.fm and hit the contact button. I'm Douglas Rushkoff. Thanks for listening. You're on Team Human, our last best hope for peeps. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.